Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast number 451. It's January the 4th, 2021. I'm Mike Thornton. I'm Corey Pereira. I'm Chris Roberts. Okay, two new voices on the podcast this week. And just to clarify, this week's podcast is a post-production special. And we've got two post-production specialists on the show this week. Uh, Corey, just give us a quick intro about who you are and what you do. Hi, my name is Corey Pereira, and I am based here in Austin, Texas. Um, so I kind of do a smattering of post-production uh, work, depending on the project. I'm sometimes an editor, a designer, a mixer, or a supervising sound editor. Um, I do narrative films, documentaries, short films, student films, and reality television. So kind of the whole gambit. And on top of that, I also teach here at the University of Texas at Austin. Okay. And Chris, uh, Chris Roberts, um, again, tell us a bit more about what you do. Hi, yeah, I'm um, a dialogue ADR and supervising sound editor. Uh, Most of my work is primarily in um, episodic television drama over the years. Uh, Having spent 20-odd years in London, I'm now based out of uh, uh, Suffolk, which is lovely. Um, So, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm doing these days. Great. Okay, so um, moving on, we've got some deals. We've got a featured deal, uh, one that post-production people should be very interested in. Uh, Zplane are offering their Elastic AAX time compression expansion uh, plugin, which will also work in the uh, time expansion compression tool. Um, They're offering 33% off, so you can get a third off for that. Um, so check that out. It's on the deals page and there'll be a link for that in the podcast article. Okay, straight on to talking points. And these are sponsored by Artoria. Hello, experts and listeners. Pro Tools expert talking points is brought to you with the support of Arturia. Arturia has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the AudioFuse Creative Suite is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Follow the link in the podcast article or visit Arturia.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. Okay, so to our talking point for this week, um, and we're going to be talking about remote working and collaboration. Obviously, something that has been exercising our minds somewhat uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, especially. Um, I mean, it's something that we've been doing for a little while, but it kind of became virtually the only thing we could do during the pandemic. And so we're going to talk about some of the things that we do, some of the tools that we use, and um, and so uh, to kick us off, Corey, can you give us uh, a taste of what changes you've had to make to be able to continue working in the pandemic, some of the tools that you've been using, uh, and how you've been handling this whole area of remote working? 
Yes, absolutely. So I do count myself as quite fortunate to have stayed busy pretty much through the whole pandemic. Um, so when we came into the lockdown and having to stay at home, I was um, editing on a film and I was already set up to work at home. Um, I count myself fortunate also to have uh, started the process of upgrading my studio to Atmos before the pandemic hit. So I had a dedicated workspace at home and we have Google Fiber here uh, at the house. So it made getting files up and down from the cloud quite easy. Um, now, as far as adapting, luckily editorial didn't really change a whole lot. I'm used to working at home and I kind of just kept doing the same thing I've always done. I think where it definitely gets more challenging is when you get into the projects I mixed, uh, not being able to do mixes in person with clients was definitely something we had to work through on a number of projects. Uh, and also things like Foley and ADR. So ADR, and we can get into this more later, but uh, developing workflows of how to record ADR with actors that are on lockdown. Um, and kind of how to deal with those files that come out of home recordings that aren't necessarily in the normal controlled environment we're used to getting. Um, and then Foley is definitely something that I think was the most challenging. We do have a great Foley artist in town, Susan Fitzsimon, and we have a Foley stage. And that's one thing we weren't really able to work around. So a lot of that became as soon as we were able to start working in person, uh, we have actually been in the studio. Even yesterday, I was just over there and we all wear masks. And luckily with Foley, we have a separate control room. So I'm in the control room and she's on the stage. Yes, because often with, with Foley stages, the, the, the desk and the, and the computer, et cetera, are all in the same space. So that, yeah, that was certainly fortunate. Correct. So yeah, that's definitely the one thing I've had to go in for. Also on a few projects, I did one Atmos mix. Uh, and we did actually have to have the client come in and it worked out well. I rented a room over at Soundcrafter, the other studio I work at here in town. Uh, and it's a large room. So they were at the back of the room with a mask the whole time and I was up at the console. Uh, so we definitely worked through it. And then I think one other television show, I was doing work for another studio I had to go in. But other than that, it's been all remote. So any mixes I do, we either... Um, export a QuickTime and pass notes back and forth or uh, get on um, a service to actually connect. And we can talk more about Indeed. that when we get to it. Yeah. So, Chris, what about you? Because uh, presumably you can the whole ADR side of things is something that uh, will resonate with you. Yeah, I'm in a, I was in a very different situation to Corey in that um, I made a trip into London to record some ADR on the project I was working on in February. And um, that was just when we kind of saw what was coming over the hill. Um, we were talking amongst ourselves in the studio about how we were going to um, move forward if we could um, once um, uh, sort of the expected lockdown happened. And also... Um, Within 36 hours, it was quite astonishing. All production, well, I'm sure globally, shut down, and that was before anyone was instructed to. Um, so all the projects that we were looking at coming ahead disappeared. So um, the priority was finishing the production I was on, and th at that time, thankfully, we got all the um, uh, dialogue editing done. We'd got two episodes out of the four episodes we were working on, uh, got the ADR completed, so we had two, AD two episodes worth of ADR to uh, to work with so then it was trying to work out solutions to do that um one of the most impressive things that's come out of all this is and to be honest quite expected is that how everyone pulled together and worked together to offer solutions um within two weeks of that initial lockdown and everyone realizing 
we've got to get some stuff done if we can. I was on a, an AMPS Zoom call with over 100 people there listening and contributing and sharing ideas. There's been none of this kind of people holding their yeah. their tips and tricks together. Sorry, um, just just to reiterate, um, mm. AMPS for those outside of the UK is... Uh, it's the Association of Motion Picture Sounds. Uh, it's a UK-based um, organisation uh, to promote and represent uh, the crafts of, of sound for the screen in um, TV, film, games. Um, I think we've got over 400 members now. So um, that that was a, a real sort of encouraging start to all this mm. and how people were coming up with solutions and yeah, everyone was looking at things like um the the todd ao app and um and all kinds of systems and how can can we use zoom can we use skype can we use remote accessing how how, how do we get access to actors who are in their own homes um can we use studios what are the protocols are, are people looking at protocols to for for socially distance recording within studio facilities um so by the time we got round to actually doing the adr on the show i was uh, finishing up on thankfully we got to a point where studios if they were able to and had the space could operate um uh, in a socially distanced fashion, um, and this particular these particular session, and also thankfully our our actors were more than keen to do their ADR sessions in a studio uh, rather than at home, um, and uh, they were quite happy to cycle into central London or walk even from where they lived and um, and get to the studio where um, all the safety protocols were in place, and I was basically working not even from my studio at that point I'd moved all my essential kit because we were in a kind of hard lockdown at that point um to the spare room which was kind of time sharing <laughs> with my wife who's working full time as well um and so and two young children um so for the times that I had the sessions I was uh connecting to the studio via Source Connect and then we were uh, had the producer and director and occasionally the post supervisor connecting via Zoom. And it all worked incredibly well, as one would expect. I think one of the interesting things for me um, is that I think that the the adapting has come from more on the, the production side in that we've been able to connect remotely for some time now. Um, more often than not, we've been connecting remote studios, but we have the ability to connect and supervise ADR sessions from wherever we are in the world, um, be it LA, be it Suffolk, be it Walthamstow, connecting to Soho. Um, and that's, and especially on the, the schedules that we've been expected to work, this is you know, pre-pandemic, it, it's, you know, mm-hmm. we've got a lot of work to do. And the, the, I think the, the, the amount of work that goes into ADR these days on uh, TV dramas because of the, the the high production values now compared to when I first started cutting dialogue 20 years ago. Um, uh, the It's a full-time job in its own right in, in, in many cases. So um, to be able having to sort of stop yeah, to do a to go into town from wherever we're working um, in our own uh, studios and our own spaces uh, to attend an ADR session for an hour when all we could do is just 
quickly set up a Source Connect session and supervise and then get back to work cutting dialogues or marking up the next episode um, would be a huge advantage. But until recently, I think um, uh, clients have always preferred ADR supervisors to attend. Of course, I much prefer to be in the room on my with myself with with the with the director and, and with the actors and with the ADR recordists and mixers but um it's not always the easiest thing to do so with the schedules we're working on so what was interesting from being forced to to work this way uh was the reaction of the the producer and the director it's, oh it's almost like you're in the room <laughs> yeah uh because the skill especially we, because we had the, the adr mixer was in a separate room to the talent and so everyone was basically pressing talkback keys so um we've got that those of us who are experienced adr supervisors we've got the experience of communicating with all the parties uh, involved in the session so i think that's that was interesting to see i think that's going to happen more um, that it is going to become more accepted to 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 run those sessions remotely and supervise those sessions remotely, and especially as, as everyone's you know concerned is now getting more used to the the finer points of 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 running sessions like that. Corey, what about you? What's your experience? Let's talk about ADR for the moment. Sure. So again, earlier on in the pandemic, I was editing ADR for a feature. And when the lockdown happened, again, I think recording in the studio wasn't really an option. So uh, the supervisor had a recordist go out and basically did long rolls uh, on each of the sessions. And then the directors would uh, zoom in and be able to direct them. Uh, then that recordist would have to chop them up individual takes before handing it off to me. So definitely, I think it was a lot more work for them. But for me, the editorial went pretty smoothly. Um, I think the biggest thing you have to adjust to is the variable uh, conditions that people are recording in at home. Sure. As you can tell them to go into a walk-in closet, but some <laughs> people's walk-in closets are a little bigger than others and may have a lot of reverberance or uh, exterior noise. So I think in a lot of ways, as a, an ADR editor, I found myself treating it a lot more like production audio, that you're mm. having to go in and do some dialogue isolate, remove some hums, clicks and pops that I don't think normally would have slipped through in a normal ADR session. So that was kind of earlier on, I'd say as things have developed, um, I set up a Tadio Actors Mobile ADR uh, kind of kit that I have available for any lower budget projects that are in town that I can actually deliver, uh, that I can actually deliver to talent. Um, which seems pretty stable. I have a Focusrite 2i2 is kind of the interface to get things in and out. And then I have a shotgun mic and a lav that I can hook up and um and that's obviously that, on an iPad, presumably. Yeah, yeah, it's on an iPad. So the nice thing is that the actors kind of control the session themselves. It's a pretty friendly interface that once you figure it out, they can decide if they want the cue beeps. Um, they can decide whether they want to hear guide in their headphones. Uh, and then I think, you know, after they do a couple of takes, they get pretty familiar with the idea. So I kind of like having that kit available uh, for those situations. Um, Soundcrafter here in town, um, Texas lets you come into the studio. So how we have it set up, there is actually a stage door entrance and there's a control room entrance. So when we have had to do ADR, uh, it's a matter of opening the exterior door. They come in, they bring their own bottle of water, they sit down, record the session, and then uh, go back out the same door. So it's possible um, 
there and also at some other studios in town to do contactless recording sessions. So I think it's less impacted right now. We'll see if there's another lockdown where that goes, but I do feel we will definitely be more prepared. Um, yeah, so think- again, the, yeah, sorry, go ahead. So, so uh, interesting what you're saying about the, the contactless approach to, to ADR and uh, having worked ways to do it. One of, one of the things I have been doing recently is working with um, uh, Ben at Spacecrate, um, yes. doing some contactless ADR there, in that I've been the ADR mixer. I've been completely contactless. Um, hmm. And so basically the, the, the studio has been opened up the actor has been let in, given direction as to what is where and, and where his headphones are. Everything's been wiped down and cleansed. And so literally the, the actor turns up, walks in, the door is locked behind him. I'm nowhere near the studio. I'm 80 miles away. Mm. Um, we've worked out ways of, of operating remotely. It's, of course, nowhere near quite as slick as as being in the room and running a Pro Tools in situ, but mm-hmm. had good results. And the fact that we were able to get this done, especially when um, the actor concerned was onto the, another project, and that particular project was very concerned about his whereabouts and you know his exposure to, to COVID. So, um, yeah, there are solutions out there. And I think, mm. yeah, it's that the way we've, we've all learned to adapt. So the space crates, that basically studio in a container, shipping container, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, I think it's a brilliant idea. I, mean, I first sort of came across it a few years ago when it was first established and yeah. I went and did a day's work in there. It's one of the best spaces I've ever worked in. Wow. <laughs> Better than some of the corners I've been pushed into when working in Soho, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yes, again, I suspect they've been pretty busy one way and another uh, because it, it's, it is transportable. It's not a portable setup, but it is transportable in, uh, on the back of any truck that will take that standard size container. So... It does mean that it can. You, you've got a controlled environment uh, where yeah. you need it. Um, yeah, I mean the situations where it's been parked at a you know at a, at a studio and actors have walked off set straight into the the ADR space. Yeah, um, that's great. You know, often on the same project. So the, the advantage of that is that they're still in character. Yeah, you know the 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 actors' muscle memory is still still firing. Um, so it's it's had good results the big issue though of course is crowd loop group adr yeah mm. um working solutions like that and everyone's you know I, I was testing systems ideas using clean feed i got a you know bunch of volunteer actors from the you know the regular um outfits who are all very keen to help out and start talking to each other again sort of using clean feed and but the trick there is is yeah people have got systems that are working but involve, involves a heck of a lot more editorial and you don't get the immediacy of um interactive performance as much especially not to sync and that mm-hmm. the, the key i found is is finding a solution to get a, a streamed synchronous picture um so uh yeah there, i mean there, there, there are expensive options things like evercast and um i think a couple of the other ones that, mm. that are able to do that but i think clear is the other big one here in the states yeah. And but of course, I, I mean, that one of the things that's cropping up now is Source Connect, or Source Elements have now the people behind Source Connect are now producing Source li- uh, Source Live low latency because that's always yeah. been the problem with Source Live. Mm-hmm. It's been fine as a sort of mix approval, but 
the latency has been significant and they've been working very hard at producing a low latency version uh, i've been able to have a quick play with it um and it it would you know be a much more cost effective solution because as as you, we've already pointed out evercast is not the cheapest solution <laughs> no <laughs> it works and a lot of people are very pleased with it but um i think uh, i mean uh, Source live, uh, source live low latency is not free, uh, unlike Source Connect now, which is what we're using to talk to each other um, or listen to each other uh, recording this podcast. But but no, it's certainly a much more cost-effective solution um, and should be available to most people very shortly. That I know they're sort of kind of doing a soft launch and getting things yeah. in place. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely on my to-do list because the thing I'm very keen on is that the, the latency between where I'm controlling things from to wherever the, the one contributor would be, I'm not, not too worried about it. It's just checking that if I can get it out to, say, six yeah. six separate contributors and are they all within a decent latency so you can do a few little you know, scenes where, where background... Um, ADR actors have to have to interact and things yeah. like that. And if we can get get that kind of thing working a bit tighter and a bit slicker, then then that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I I'd definitely be interested to check that out. Um, kind of talking about mixed reviews, um, the solution that I've been using in Soundcrafter here in town has been using is Session Link Pro, their conference mm-hmm. software. Uh, which is a German company, and it's actually been very stable. I know some people have had mixed results with um, delay with playback of the video, but we've had a pretty uh, good luck. Uh, And what I've actually picked up from someone else is taking a Blackmagic Intensity shuttle and essentially looping the video out and then back into it. Because Pro Tools doesn't actually look at the video input, uh, you're able to feed that back into the same device and then route that into Session Link Pro. Um, so that's been pretty stable. Over at Soundcrafter, we're actually using video satellites. So we'll have the video running on a separate computer, running that out of one Blackmagic into another, uh, which I've done television review sessions on and didn't really have any major issues at all. And I'd say the biggest benefit of that is the price. Uh, so it's 20 euros a month and there's no commitment to hmm. keeping it for any period of time. So when I have a project come up, I can pay for the month. And then if I'm not mixing the next month, you can get, let it lapse and not have to have the recurring $1,000 fee a month of Evercast or something like that, that I think makes a lot of sense for larger studios. But when it's just me, uh, it's a little hard to to stomach that expense. Yeah, sure. I think also as well, it, it's um, those kind of economies of scale. Like I say, it's something like Evercast, if it's working, if you're on a big studio picture, yeah, that, that cost is swallowed very quickly and very easily. But even on mm-hmm. TV drama schedules and budgets is, you know, yeah, even if I'm not paying for it and the production is, then they ain't looking at Evercast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No. And it has worked pretty well. Uh, during the pandemic, I did actually do some 360 audio mixing for a video game that recently came out, uh, the new Medal of Honor Above and beyond, uh, they had some like 360 videos in there that needed uh, sound design done for that space. And the director was up in New York. So we used the Session Link Pro and it, it worked really smoothly that I was able to do a 360 mix with my Oculus headset on my head with head tracking. And as I moved my head around, uh, they could see the video and, and hear the actual head tracked audio 
uh, feeding into Session Link Pro, and it all worked pretty well. Wow. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Wow. <laughs> that was kind of fun. That was something different. Yeah. I was like, okay, we need to do this and we'll see how it works, but it actually worked out pretty well. Just to pick up what you said there, Corey, that, that word you said there, fun, and that's quite interesting. In <laughs> this mad, mad time, you, having that time, I've actually had to go back and do things and learn things. I've actually had some fun. Yeah. Um, yeah being my experience for best part of 20 years has been dialogue you know I've, I've recorded you know recorded foley i've mixed i've been an adr mixer but the best part of 20 years have been, been a dialogue and adr uh, sort of specialist for want of a better word and um and i've had the time because of picking up a few bits of project bits of work here and there and also just downtime to 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 spend time having a play um learning yeah. or relearning techniques and, and, and things always meant to try out or, or, or plugins I'd meant to try out and that never got round to doing because when you're on, you know, when you, when you're working, working, working to the schedules that we work to, there's very, very little time to do mm-hmm. anything else. So I think that that's something to be said that's come out of it is, mm. you know, having a bit of playtime and having uh, fun. And we, we would definitely, uh, confirm that you're not the only one because we we saw at the beginning of especially at the beginning of the pandemic we saw traffic on the site increase and it wasn't traffic to current you know fresh articles it was traffic to tutorials and yeah. reviews I was so one people, of them yeah we, people oh, were yeah. clearly researching um new techniques or potential products that they were going to look at buying mm. and as you say one had a little more time to do such things mm. I think that this is probably hopefully what's going to push the other side of this because I'm I'm optimistic and every every time I start feeling less optimistic, I read an article about what the expectation of the industry is going to be, and the expectation is we've got a lot of work to do when we can, Ooh. a lot of work to do. Yes. <laughs> um, so my bank manager is very pleased to hear that too. But um, <laughs> it's um, I think. We're gonna. We're all gonna be feeding into that period that comes. A lot of the experience and a lot of the the the, the experimentation we've been doing um, to mm-hmm. to to use the technology to work smarter, to work better, um, and even buy ourselves more time to have time off. I think that's something else that people mm. are picking up on is having that bit of time out and a bit of headspace and, and and getting back to enjoying what what we're doing by having the time to walk away from it from time to time. Um, and I think also it's it's the the fact that we don't have to reinvent the wheel on every production. I think oh, that's one thing I often find frustrating is that, that you sometimes having to kind of start from scratch and when all the processes are pretty straightforward and established and in place. And if we can just use those as the baselines now um, mm-hmm. with our clients and with the productions we work on, yeah, there's nothing new here, but then we can then start introducing the new ideas and the new technologies and the new workflows um, to, to work better and to work smarter and, and, and bring to the screen, um, you know, even better sounding projects. Corey, when it comes to mixed reviews, how have you been making sure that your directors and your the people who are making decisions are hearing as good a quality mix as possible? <laughs> so that's actually one of the things that I think has been one of the larger challenges through all this. Uh, so 
earlier on, um, I think the guidance was for them to make sure they were using headphones. Uh, but I did find there's a lot of variance on what headphones people have at home. Um, so definitely on sessions where we were having them review it, um, different people on different headphones would be hearing different things. So I feel like we were bouncing back and forth between notes, turning up music, turning music down, turning this effect up or down uh, because of how they were hearing it. Um, I will say, I think I might have a solution in sight. Recently, I attended a CAS um, event and had some great conversations with other mixers about how they were mitigating these differences. And one mixer uh, highly recommended the MixFi headphones from Blue Microphones as kind of his go-to solution for headphones that translate very well to the stage, as well as a pair of headphones that he's been sending out to clients for reviews. So these are not necessarily cheap. They're around $300 US. Um, but the idea is that um, I have some of these on order, so I'll soon be able to give you my personal opinion. But I'd love to hear the that. Idea yeah, would, yeah. The idea would be that if I can wear these headphones and do a pass on a mix before a review session or even during the review session, um, I can know what the clients are hearing if they are also wearing the same headphones. Yeah, I mean, it's very much the principle in live sound is, is yeah. the monitor mixer will usually either have the similar in-ears to the artist or or and or similar uh, monitor speakers so that again you get a sense you're hearing what they're hearing rather than having to do the the, the try and establish what's in the translation and what's not in the translation so now that makes makes uh, a lot of sense yeah absolutely so i think a lot of the mixing i'm still going to do on my setup uh, sure. over speakers but hmm. i, I kind of like that idea it kind of put that bug in my head that hey this might actually be a better way to approach it Interesting. Yeah, definitely. So I'll be reporting back. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> so uh, I think we'll uh, move on looking at the clock. Um, so competitions, we haven't got any uh, specific competition running on Production Expert this month, although we will be announcing in the next week or so the winners from the uh, Christmas or the December competition where you had the opportunity to win one of four different interface bundles. Um, so watch out for those announcements. And uh, also, if you entered that competition, watch out for your for in your email, because we will be emailing. Uh, and uh, if you miss the email, you'll miss the prize. Um, but yes, uh, we will be announcing the winners of uh, those uh, prizes shortly. Um, so we'll move along now. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you'll know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. And even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser, no software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Okay, so on to Find of the Week, and these are sponsored by RSPE Audio Solutions. RSPE is wrapping up 2020 by offering you the chance to win an Avid S1. All you have to do is sign up to receive their email newsletter, and one lucky person will receive an Avid S1. They've extended this opportunity through to January 15th, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're interested in S1 and don't want to have to pay for it, then sign up for RSP's <laughs> email newsletter, and you may be that lucky person. Okay, so find of the week. 
Corey, what's your find of the week here? So I kind of jumped the gun and touched on this, but it is the MixFi headphones from Blue Microphones. I've long been a fan of their mics, but I personally didn't even know they had headphones, but I am uh, have a pair on order right now. So look forward to trying those out shortly and hopefully uh, using those as my primary tool for mix reviews. Great. Chris, what's your find of the week? Um, a couple of things, actually, and sort of late to the party, and primarily because, as mentioned earlier on, having the time to actually go and explore. So sure. um, the the first one is um, Quiet Art Defaulter, uh, the, yeah. the clip gain um, yeah. app uh, plugin, which I found, especially with the, the, the LKF settings in there now, to get that first pass through and to sort your levels out. Um, so it's, it's great in dialogue editing, and, I, and I'm a big fan of um, macros and keyboard maestro. So the fact that there's a, a, a macro that comes along packaged with the, the plugin and you just set it and off it goes um, is great. And, yes, yeah, it's, it's, a, a, it's great for a first pass and it's everything's undoable and, and, and changeable. So that that is one way that's improving the workflow. And also um, uh, FabFilter... Pro Q3 is fantastic. Um, been dabbling with various EQs, um, uh, especially regards to, to dialogue over the years. And actually had a chance to sort of sit down, and have a play with it, and 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 purchase it. I'm really, really impressed with it. Very happy with it. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my find of the week was um, one that was uh, enforced on me, shall we say. A uh, couple of days <laughs> before the Christmas holiday, uh, I have a two-monitor you know, screen monitor system, and one of them decided that it wasn't going to work anymore. Basically, the backlight died. Um, and so I was kicking out, know, sort of mumbling around, do I go for same as sort of thing uh, or do i try and get something a bit more high res and so did quite a lot of research talked to some of the team and russ put me on to um some lg uh he, he said look go and check out the lg and check out the sort of 4k monitor setup so hmm. julie did that uh, and ordered through amazon uh, a, a pair of lg uhd 24 UD58s, basically 24-inch 4K monitor screens with LED backlights. So native resolution, 3,840 by 2,160. But the great thing is that what I've got, in fact, is the, the Mac software was what I intended to do, the Mac software did by itself. It took a look at these screens and said, there's no way you want to use that resolution. <laughs> How about using 1920 by 1080? So effectively, for every normal pixel, I've got four pixels. And so what I've effectively ended up with is an experience that's very similar to the Apple Retina screens. Because, as I've said before, a while back, uh, I bought oh, bought new to me a secondhand um, uh, Apple laptop and I'd never experienced Retina screens. I'd never got got that got the sort of why are they so special until, of course, then I had one. And suddenly it's like, oh, everything's clean and crisp, and mm-hmm. and I have got exactly that same experience on these two uh, screens. Um, because of the way the studios worked, uh, I'm running the yeah my have my computer cupboard separate uh, to keep the noise down. So I had to look at. Um, running uh, either some form of video a long way the studio uh, I, my previous monitors had hd uh, had um 
a DVI, um, but these screens only had DisplayPort or HDMI. And so uh, I was aware that HDMI over what is effectively for me a 15 meter cable run was going to be a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. And also doing the research, yeah. the refresh rate, if you use HDMI, on, especially on the Mac Mini, the refresh rate is kept down to 30 hertz. And I thought, no, I want at least 60. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and again, research said that if you use DisplayPort uh, cables, then the Mac Mini would offer me that 60 hertz refresh. And so um, I plumped for fiber optic extension cables on the principle that I'm not going to suffer, you know, uh, signal loss, especially at those sorts of resolutions and and Mm. and video bandwidth. And, yeah, plug and play. It all works very nicely. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) So there we go. So... um, we really have uh, kind of run out of time so it all remains for me to do is to say good night from me good night good night and good night